This week, our executive producer, Adam Gabeski, has suggested we watch Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. But because we respect ourselves a little too much for that, instead, we're going to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Welcome to Cinematic Respect, everybody. This is the show where we con our friends into watching movies that they, for some reason or another, have never gotten around to seeing. We watch it all together, we talk about it, and in the end, we respect them and the movie even more. I'm your first co-host, Jessica Clares. And I'm your second co-host, Charlie Wallace. Today, we will be talking about the 1986 John Hughes-directed and written film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Starring uh, Matthew Broderick and Alan Ruck and Mia Sarah and Matthew Broderick's kind of the one I guess we still hear about these days, right? I, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, Alan Ruck's still in stuff. You probably don't know him by name, but he, he shows up in, in a decent number of yeah, things here I, and there in the background. I was kind of looking up his history, and it's a lot of, like, one-offs. Like, one episode of this series, one episode of another series. Well, not to mention, uh, he was in Speed. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> another terrible... With with all of my favorite actors. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I did have to remember that, though. I was like, what did I... What was the first time I remember seeing him and being like, oh, look, it's Cameron, which I feel bad about, because I don't I don't feel like it should be a, this defining role for him, but at least for me. Um, so we'll go into a quick synopsis just to uh, catch people up who haven't seen the movie in a while. Um, it's about a high school student named Ferris Bueller who kind of leads a charmed existence. Everything seems to go right for him all the time, and he decides that he wants to skip class on this particular day. Uh, it's a very sunny, beautiful day, and he tries to get his two friends to come along with him. Uh, one is named Cameron, played by Alan Ruck, uh, who's kind of a stick in the mud. He's also staying homesick, but actually seems to believe that he is sick. <laughs> uh, but Ferris does eventually get him to come out, and he... Uh, manages to jailbreak his girlfriend Sloan from school to come along with him as well. They go to Chicago, uh, they have a good time, and they come home. But in the process, they manage to uh, destroy Cameron's dad's Ferrari. This amazingly beautifully restored Ferrari. Um, and Cameron's a very nervous kid, so this is where a lot of the conflict of the movie comes, is what's going to happen with this vehicle. Uh, but also, uh, Jeffrey Jones plays the principal, Ed Rooney, mm-hmm. who is trying to track down Ferris because he feels like it's his sworn duty <laughs> as the principal of the high school to catch one child. Well, because otherwise it will spread like wildfire. It'll be anarchy <laughs> if they all learn the ways of Ferris Bueller. And you can't, can't forget Jennifer Grey. Yes. Who is both pre-Dirty Dancing and pre-Nose Job mm-hmm. in this film. She has a, a fine part in this role as well. And, yep, I guess antics ensue everywhere and everything ends up more or less better for If you don't think involved. too hard, you can have a real good time. Yes. And <laughs> the person who chose this movie is uh, someone I'm particularly familiar with. <laughs> 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 she is my wife, Cara Hulse. Hello. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm Thanks for glad being to be here. It took eight, I think this is episode eight. Yeah, <laughs> considering we were like, thinking about me having as the first one, but <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. You were the uh, the elusive guest, yes, the one we wanted right. on, and we wanted this specific movie because it's it's been a point of contention in our relationship. <laughs> it's been, yes. once I found out, it's been a point of contention in our relationship. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine what you've been doing since you were born. I don't, I, that you didn't yeah. have time to sit down and watch this movie. Exactly. Was there any uh, attempt to watch this movie before? 
Um, yes, actually. We were actually down in Chicago, you and I, the weekend that we were actually got engaged. Mm-hmm. But that was after we had a really nice dinner plan that evening, and I had to get ready for it. And it was on TV, and I was like, hey, we should sit and watch Ferris Bueller. I saw maybe five minutes. I was like, eh, I got to go get ready. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my attempt of watching it before. Mm-hmm. Well, since you got engaged that day, I'm going to let it slide. Thank you. That's right. I <laughs> mean, this is it just was... the, the only time. There was that proximity of time where... That happened immediately before I proposed to you, so. And, you know, we were in Chicago. Yeah, it could have been nice, but <laughs> watch the movie, but oh well. I still contend that we need to plan a day in Chicago to try, not necessarily do everything, but have a fair oh, yeah. day to off. To try to do the specific thing. things that happen in the... At least some of them. Some of them? Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's certain ones like, I don't feel the need to go to the stock exchange necessarily. But, oh, you yeah. know, if we were there and it was nearby, sure, but I'm not going to necessarily go on my way... I forgot to look this up. Do they actually have uh, booths at the stock exchange so that you can observe? Uh, observer, yeah, observer. No booths? clue. Hmm. And things might have changed over thirty years too. Like that's true. You know, they might not be the same stock exchange. We'll, we'll go to the <laughs> Art Institute, and it'll just be a smoking crater or something. <laughs> <laughs> Think, I don't know. It's been a while. I think, it's I been think, there. I think he was more. She was more We're thinking the whole this. like, hey, the stock exchange might not be run by people in little like smocks with pieces of paper anymore. Yeah, oh, it might oh, actually be a lot a more, more like digitally, exactly, like. a little more technologically <laughs> advanced. Yeah, I, I mean, there was a, was a lot of tech in this point. movie, but sweet technology, sweet yes. technology, <laughs> which we will. But talk I think about. it's changed a bit over the years. So, <laughs> indeed. So, the central character of Ferris Bueller is this. Another one of these iconic characters, a lot of the movies we've been doing so far have these really strong characters that are in pop culture that everybody knows about. But as far as the character development, I suppose, of Ferris over the movie, there really isn't any. Not not too much. I think the only thing, and you don't necessarily get the impression it's the first time ever, but he does claim responsibility for the destruction of the car at the end and he says that he'll stay and take the heat i think that's maybe the only thing where you were earlier nothing's ever really his fault whatever he's not going to actually have to deal with consequences for any right. of his actions but it almost feels like a sort of tee up for cameron mm-hmm. at that point right like he's like oh i'm saying this but i really want you to take responsibility, maybe like own up for it. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, it, the introduction of Ferris is pretty strong too. Like, what what did you feel like in the first few minutes of being introduced to him? Do you oh. feel like he was a jerk? Do you feel like he'd be fun to hang out with? Um, I have in my notes because I took notes. Um, the very first thing, ugh, parents dumb, <laughs> <laughs> and then MTV question mark cool <laughs> that's what i haven't so like right away it's like oh he's definitely playing up his parents and everything like that you're thrown in right away like what type of culture you're supposed to be in like hey there's no tv on or anything it's just like hey look there's like almost a commercial for mtv on here mm-hmm. like we are, we're in the 80s guys <laughs> like, <laughs> we're in the 80s his room is completely covered in yeah. posters exactly um, he has a you know a ginormous UK flag, you know, yeah. whatever, Great Britain flag for, for no reason. Um, and yeah, lots of band posters and mm-hmm. you see MTV. John Hughes um, really pointing to kind of teen apathy and kind of this disconnection, like not really respecting your parents, not really respecting institutions, you know, school, all of these things. And, you know, just kind of doing what we want, which I think MTV celebrated at that time, you know, way back yeah. when it still played music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Felt a little bit different in the 90s. Yes. Than, 
like the 80s representation of it. But you're right. It was kind of interesting. Like there wasn't a television or anything and around there. And I was there. playing like, it. It was just like all of a sudden like, oh, MTV Ferris commercial. Ferris equals MTV. <laughs> That's or, what this, yeah, yeah. It's just right? like, hey, we're in the 80s. He's a cool kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, and just the opening sequence, just to like what you said, you were like, ugh, the parents are stupid. Yeah. But see, I rem- like, well, I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I've seen this movie easily 30 times. <laughs> it is in my top five movies. I adore this movie. And because I love Kara, I did not say all the lines out loud <laughs> while we watched the movie together yesterday. But yeah, so that opening sequence, what I remember most or, you know, identify with is just, oh my gosh, you're so gross. Like, it's so demeaning. Like, his little, like, baby talk kind Ugh, of thing with yeah. his dad and he, mm-hmm. like, fake, like, bites his finger and you're like, what? What are you doing? What are you doing right now? But no, his parents clearly adore him and his sister right away, too, is like, oh, no, you're faking it. Come mm-hmm. on. Like, how many times have you done this? Come on. (laughs) And I like her, you know, if I was bleeding out of my eyes, you guys make me go to school. (laughs) Like, she's so bitter. Right. And you believe it, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Like, you believe it based on Mm -hmm. the way the characters interact. So it's not really her overreacting. No, I don't feel like she's overreacting at all. Very much like the parents coddle the crap out of him and and are much more stern with her. Right, right. But so I guess the first time that I saw this, I didn't take that really position with it i was like oh first is a cool guy like see i was manipulating his parents oh he's gonna go have fun it's like ah oh, stupid sister whatever <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean i think john hughes intention is for you to not to think too hard right yeah. you know you're supposed to be on ferris's side right yeah but yeah. like right away i'm like oh my god this guy is a dick i'm <laughs> like yeah <laughs> that, i on. get that impression a little bit more now that i'm re-watching it than i did the first yeah. time like, i actually like, saw it he's playing up everything and he's using everything in his um wheelhouse to get his way and he's so selfish and he's mm-hmm. so an 80s teenager yeah like, <laughs> i don't even know what that means i guess other than john hughes movies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's such a john hughes creation that yeah, jerk, he, he really that jerk. <laughs> No, I think I think there's a couple of things in the opening, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, just but when he's still at home, before anything happens, before any action happens, that I think you learn a lot about kind of the 80s setting mm-hmm. and what his life looks like in general. So, you you know, you even just seeing the house from the outside, it's mm-hmm. a really nice house. There's pillars. It's got the crazy, at least for me growing up, I thought the driveway was super cool, that it was like the little arc driveway that oh, you could yeah. like drive in and out of, whatever, <laughs> I don't know. Um, there are three cars in the driveway, so right away, there's definitely a statement of kind of like they're in a wealthy suburb of Chicago. Right. The, his parents both work outside the house, which again, in the mid-80s, is definitely a statement. His mom is clearly very successful in, in real estate, um, which is just a side comment. Um, another one of the movies that we reviewed, War Games. The mother was also in real estate. Oh, Apparently, real funny. estate is one of the safe jobs for women to have in the 80s. Yep, um, yep. But anyways, um, <laughs> I, I just appreciate, you know, she's a very successful real estate agent. His dad does something. Something but in, downtown. But yeah. downtown Chicago, clearly like in a high rise building. And so you get that. You get a good glimpse of the house. It feels very homey, but clearly they have money. Um, and as you were saying, like we talked a little bit about it last night, too, just the exposition of it, you get so much information right away. You know, he's breaking the fourth wall. He's talking straight to you. And he's like, this is what's going on. But he's also doing other stuff while he's saying that. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of great scenes where there's multiple things going on. So the exposition's all taking place 
through the dialogue that the characters are either saying to each other, or in this case, Ferris is telling the audience, but also the things that are happening in the background, like, you know, Ferris getting ready and like him, like doing his hair up in the shower. Yeah, for he's no got reason. a cool full hawk. Right. <laughs> or Jesse was talking about Ed Rooney putting all his pencils in a specific way on the desk. Or oh, yeah, the, cleaning it. It was just meticulously um, organized. There's a secretary's name. I forget Grace. Uh, and yeah, Grace putting all the different, taking the different pencils out of her hair. Oh my gosh. It's seriously one of my favorite scenes ever. I think she pulls <laughs> like four or five pencils out of her hair. That's all like hair sprayed up and big and poofy, you know, 80s like. And oh, she's amazing. I also love when you have the, the brief moment when he's calling, when the principal's calling for her and she's totally sniffing the whiteout. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just getting a little bit of a, a little bit of a buzz there. And it's just little throwaway things, but they tell you something about the character. Right. Right, because, I mean, a lot of these characters don't get tons of screen time, Mm -mm. right? So it's all about establishing that very quickly and efficiently. And watching the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of this movie, it really was a lot more apparent Mm -hmm. this time watching it. I love um, small little tangent in the again in that first 15 minutes is to comment on how many different outfits (laughs) Ferris has on. (laughs) Yeah, because he he takes a shower in one outfit when he calls Cameron and tries to convince him to come over. He's in a swimsuit at some point. He's in like a little kind of like jazz guy ish outfit when he's playing the clarinet terribly. (laughs) Um, I can't even remember. He's in a suit at one point. I mean, he changes clothes so many times. And then he has his one outfit that's kind of like the iconic for the rest of the rest of the movie. But yeah, he, he has so many like scene changes. And I was like, like, how long did that take? Like, what time did he wake up and decided he's not going to school? <laughs> like, we'll get in probably the time yeah. restraints later. Yeah. But still, I just, a lot of this stuff is just tailing up. Like, sitting there thinking, like, okay, now I'm going to change. Like, that would take me a little bit. I would want to be at least in that outfit for five minutes, ten minutes. Or even, like, you know, an hour or something. Like, why change so much? It feels like he's at his house for five hours before he... Yeah. <laughs> before he even leaves. Yeah, before yeah. he even leaves. <laughs> But I also think it's just kind of showing, like, he does things for fun. Like, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily for any purpose. Like, he's sitting by the pool, so he's mm-hmm. in a swimsuit, and he has his sunglasses, like, pushed up on the top of his head. If he's, like, futzing around with his clarinet, he's clearly has to have a wardrobe <laughs> change into something that looks like you might wear if you were playing a little blues club. Um, I don't know, the whatever casual outfit he's in when he's kicking back and talking to the kids on the payphone at school for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's seemingly no reason, but it's yeah. so funny. I love it. <laughs> but it's like, okay, did he call them? Did they call him? And they then he just keeps him. handing it off. He's like, hey, give me to the next person so I can start this rumor that I'm sick. Well, I think also it establishes his relationship with other kids. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that he's clearly well known across all the grades. He's clearly well known, um, you know, not just with people he's actual friends with, but just he has notoriety. Mm-hmm. And he does stuff for people. It's not great stuff. But I mean, the first little freshman punks he's talking to, he says, oh, I hope he doesn't die. He's, you know, he's getting me out of summer school. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. forgot about that part. Yeah. yeah. So I think he he definitely does stuff for people. But again, I'm going to I'm I'm just going back to he's he's kind of selfish. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just doing this so that they can spread this rumor so that it looks better that he's actually sick. It's definitely possible. <laughs> I mean, I just love how quickly people latch on to it, though. It doesn't take very much. Yeah. Because throughout the film. You have the one kid collecting money because clearly he needs a kidney transplant and that's going to be really expensive. So, you know, can you donate? And uh, the one girl who talks to his sister and is like, I heard that Ferris said if he dies, he's going to donate his eyes to Stevie Wonder. And like, it's like, <laughs> so awful. <laughs> and uh, 
and the water tower that says save Ferris mm-hmm. and the flowers he gets from the English department. And... Oh, yeah. His entire house is flooded with flowers at the end of the yes. movie. Which, again, how did those get in there? But, you yeah, know. don't worry about that. Yeah. And near the end of the film when they're in the police station and the police chief's like, oh, tell Ferris everybody down at the uh, station's pulling for him. You're like, <laughs> what? What is this? Like... That brings up another good topic, which is that the world that either this entire movie is in or maybe just the world that immediately surrounds Ferris doesn't always make perfect sense, like from a movie watching perspective, right? There's a lot of things like, how does he change clothes so many times? You're not supposed to care. Or like, how do they do so many things in one day? Whatever. (laughs) Or like, how could this rumor about one kid spread Throughout, all throughout Chicago. All throughout Chicago, and somebody repainted a uh, water tower. In a day. <laughs> In a day. Yeah. Right? So uh, it just it makes me wonder if I, I kind of stopped. This time around, I stopped viewing Ferris as really a character kind of in and of himself. It's just kind of like a force for mm. like change within the other characters almost right mm-hmm. like ferris isn't going to change this entire movie right mm-hmm. Not really. he's just kind of going through and trying to introduce people to new things and to have fun right mm-hmm. but nothing's really going to get in his way so there's not a lot of stakes for him well that's kind of the, the tagline right as he says the um life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while you could miss it and so if you're looking at it from what the way you're describing this force like that i guess is his objective <laughs> It's right. to kind of like force this worldview onto others. Yeah. Yeah. So we clearly kind of know what his relationship is with other people in the community. You definitely get this impression that he's extremely well liked by a lot of different people. Right. <laughs> and um, we definitely know that his parents dote on him and he, it's really easy for him to con them. Um, you get the impression that his sister's not taken in, the principal, Rooney's not taken <laughs> in. Let's think, you know, but otherwise, um, he has got his best friend, Cameron, who mm-hmm. he just manipulates constantly. And then Sloan just kind of tags along. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of had a hard time really putting a finger on exactly what Sloan was there for. His relationship with Sloan is pretty much just it's typical teenage love yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. girlfriend right they're gonna get married someday right but you know they're not right. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you they're, think so? they're totally not but, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's you'd at least get the feeling or the impression that he's not seeing other women that he is at least dating her right. yeah like maybe flirting he's definitely, definitely flirting, flirting yeah. but you don't necessarily see him fooling around or anything about mm-hmm. anybody else they broke up i imagine ferris being very over dramatic for a day (laughs) and then getting over it nothing against her i mean yeah but that's just how ferris is i think hey charlie don't we have a clip of uh an explanation of how many different kinds of people love ferris coincidentally we do have that (laughs) what is so dangerous about a character like ferris bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas Uh uh-huh Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> with her Midwest accent. I know, like, I love her. <laughs> I was like, 
what are some of those clicks? Like the what? Dickheads? The dickheads. <laughs> what, what are the dickheads? <laughs> and, and do they identify themselves that way, or yeah. do just other people other identify people. them that way? And it's like okay, I get motorheads, maybe Bloods. Uh. Bloods, like the gang. What? Right? Yes, the gang. Like okay, yeah, he says, and which is pretty serious yeah. for you yeah, know a very so, wealthy. Yeah. And apparently Chicago they're suburb. in that school. Okay, and then yeah. right after that is like the dweebies. <laughs> <laughs> But they think he's a righteous dude. He's a righteous dude. Yeah, I love pretty much everything she says. She just sounds like her just sweet, yeah, cheerful voice. I just adore her. And I love, you know, one of the other lines that I, I don't think we have a clip of is when uh, Ed says he doesn't trust this kid as far as I can throw him. She goes, well, with your bad knee, Ed, you shouldn't be throwing anybody. <laughs> and I, I do, I do want to say that I say that at work periodically. Let's. <laughs> well, it's interesting because so she's on Ed's Ed Rooney's side, right? But she's also kind of on Ferris's side. She can't really decide. She's kind of there and like alternate. Like she's kind of won over by him as well, mm-hmm. especially in that clip we just played. But mm-hmm. I don't think she's even really thinking about it too much. I think I she's just like it. a nice person who's like. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, goes into work and yeah. does her job. And I don't goes know home. that she thinks too hard. Or yeah. if, if she was capable of thinking hard, she's burned off that capability by sniffing the white out. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like going into like Principal Rooney, like uh, okay, so he's there's fixated. like that line there. It's like okay, I get why he's kind of like want to catch him. But I mean, he's obsessed. Yeah. So Ferris Bueller is taking a day off of school, right? And but, so is the principal. Yeah, but Rooney's <laughs> taking a day off of his job that he's getting paid for to go find one kid who may very well be sick. I mean, yeah, I guess he's got a good sense. Like overall, like Rooney's right. Like he he kind of does understand that uh, Ferris is playing him, but isn't able to prove it. I think that there was a normal level of obsession, maybe normal level of obsession. That's an interesting <laughs> statement. Sorry. There was a normal level of being agitated or or maybe suspecting foul play or, you know, something shady happening. I think that was really underscored when he calls Ferris's mother at work to say, hey, you know, Ferris isn't in school. And she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to call. And he goes, oh, so you are aware. And he and she says, yes. And he's like, well, you know, with him out today, he's been gone nine times this semester, which Nine times in the semester is a decent number of times. Yeah, and but maybe she... he might be a sick kid. True. Like... <laughs> but I mean, she immediately says, well, I don't remember him being yeah. being sick nine times. And you look at his MS-DOS computer <laughs> screen and you watch the number of days absent drop one at a time from nine <laughs> to three and then get locked in at three. And you know that Ferris has like somehow hacked into the system and has changed the number of days he's been gone. So Rooney got to watch it happen. And so I think that maybe is what kind of pushed him Potentially. Over the edge, yeah. yeah. Over the edge. It could be. I, I do like the crossover with War Games. Like, he's oh, still, yeah, that... he still has, like, the skills from that. So, <laughs> well, I mean, change. why not take character development from one movie and just bring and just it, into it into the, the next other. one? Yeah. yeah. He probably said, you know, I have computer skills acting. <laughs> I can look very intently at the screen and describe what it is I'm doing to the audience. I mean, green, green characters on a black background i got this <laughs> so another character that we wanted to talk about was ferris's sister we've, we've touched on this a little bit already but she's one of the maybe two characters in this movie that really undergo some sort of change over the course of the movie <laughs> right yep. um but i understand car <laughs> your your feelings of how she was treated not uh, only by uh ferris and the whole movie universe but 
by the writer. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> writer slash director was maybe a little unfair. Well, and that's the thing. And maybe like, maybe I'm just, I, and I looked up, I did a bunch of Googling afterwards too to see if I was crazy. Oh, I know. Yeah. I have, I have the Facebook post <laughs> to prove it. And apparently there's other people that kind of think the same way as me, especially since like it was last year was the 30 year, mm-hmm. 30 year anniversary. Yeah. That's crazy. That yeah. is crazy. Ugh. Um, but no, it's like, I, I just going into this character and like right away, it's like, okay, yeah, she's rolling her eyes. Her brother obviously is playing up their parents. Parents don't seem as like close with her. But then as it's, going on like there's a lot of little things where it's like oh she's obviously complaining a lot like you know there was Mm -hmm. one point with the secretary with grace like Mm -hmm. she said you know like hey genie who's bothering you today yeah yeah little little things Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. and it's like okay so we're 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 looked at like this character complains a lot well and she is very short with everybody yeah i mean she's perturbed and that's not saying it's not justified yeah i'm just saying but in general um, even people who seemingly are her friends, mm-hmm. she's very short with in the halls. She's very short with the secretary. But I think like the people in the halls that she was short with were mostly like, hey, did you hear about Ferris? The fact that they didn't even know that that's his sister. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. Some yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, OK, that's kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also never talked. Is she older? Is she younger? Is she a twin? I'm super confused by this because Ferris is a senior. He's a in, senior. In high school. And you get the impression that she's older because they, well, maybe I just assume this, but they mentioned that the parents gave her a car yeah. while he got a computer. Yeah. And does, I don't know if anyone actually says, I'm thinking back now, if anyone says she's his older sister. But I got that impression but too. But you get that impression but then and you're soon, like, but how? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. oh, he's graduating soon. It's like, oh, maybe she was a twin? I don't know. It's 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 a little ambiguous. Well, and that's the thing, too, kind of like with the story arc of Rooney and him actually getting so obsessed that he's going in the house. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But she comes in and there is an actual intruder in her house and she's freaking out. Well, that's the thing. So then she calls the cops mm-hmm. and so they don't show up right away. Like who shows up is like someone for Ferris, like mm-hmm. bringing stuff for mm-hmm. him at like a naughty nurse yeah like, a little uh, singing telegram <laughs> yeah. which is and, yeah. and arbitrarily for no reason louis anderson is in that yes. group of people and for the singing telegram <laughs> and, and he, he just says say nothing yeah, he just sits there with his there. like big round head doing this little like boppy bop thing <laughs> side to side and that's it anyway sorry yeah i oh, have to no, look no. into louis anderson's career to like <laughs> decide where whether was he, he was at that point yeah. i want to know if he was before or after his cameo in coming to america i'm gonna have to look that up yeah yeah we can yeah. We'll put that in the blog post or something. After. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do the research after, after the fact. Uh, but basically, though, then she calls the cops. They don't show up right away. And then later on at the police station, and they actually picked her up for doing a prank phone call or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? Like, right. Yeah. And then her whole thing is, is like, okay, so no one believes her. Nothing ever ends up right for her. Until Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. And who's very, very young, very druggy looking yeah. Charlie Sheen. Oh, I, we got a clip here. Oh. <laughs> That's the first time our guest is thrown to a clip. I love it. I love it. Why should he get to ditch when everybody else has to go? You could ditch. Yeah, I'd get caught. So you're pissed off because he ditches and doesn't get caught. Is that it? Basically. And your problem is you. Excuse me? Excuse you. 
You ought to spend a little more time dealing with yourself, a little less time worrying about what your brother does. That's just an opinion. Mm. What are you, a psychiatrist? No. Why don't you keep your opinions to yourself? I was going to say, apparently he stayed up 48 hours <laughs> for that role. Seriously? Yes, right before he... Because his uh, eyes are super, like, bloodshot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he just looks amazing. Actually, it looks exactly what you'd expect Charlie Sheen to look like now. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> winning. Winning. But yeah. he is... Yeah, he's... A bizarre introduction. Yeah. And and that's the thing. It's like, okay, so he's basically telling her, her she's the problem. Like, who cares what your brother's doing? Just be concerned about yourself. Which, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. It's one way to stop being at least angry about it all the time. Exactly. But at the same time, she's just trying to point out things that he's taking advantage of. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, hey, like... There's this massive discrepancy and it doesn't get resolved. Exactly. And the only thing she's told to do is stop worrying about it. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? Whatever. Just just go ahead, live your life. Who cares if this person gets everything that he wants ever? Uh, but she's also, she's one of only two really strong female presences in the movie, right? There's Sloane, who I guess we even argued before wasn't that strong. Yeah. No. But then there's a sister, right? Mm-hmm. And she's the one who's being treated... Like, she shouldn't worry about the fact that Ferris gets everything he wants, right? So, like, it doesn't matter that the world is unfair to you, right? <laughs> yeah. He's getting everything he wants. You're not. It's it's your problem. That's your problem. And then the thing is, what did she get for a prize? She got to make out with this drug addict. Like, <laughs> and then she was really happy with that because it's like, okay, yeah, sure. The, I can see where the writers are coming. And it's like, okay, let's give her this thing. She's letting go. She made out with this guy. Now everything's fine. It's like, I think that's a problem with the freaking writers that mm-hmm. they came in. It's like, okay, what are we going to do with this character who's complaining that this person has all this privilege? Like, oh, let's give her something. Like, hey, here's Charlie Sheen. You can make out with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, when she has proof that this guy broke into their house. But no, now she's cool. And she's playing into this whole privilege that Ferris has and just throws she the helps proof them away. Out and, and, and now yeah. she's cool. And now she's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I think that's the really the, the, the whole idea is that when you care less, you live a life that's a little bit more like Ferris or something. I don't know. I, I get that's what the writers are trying to say. But it's like. Seriously, you had proof. Right. At what cost? <laughs> at what cost? It's like, okay, fine, I'll play and you you get everything you want. I guess I'll just play along with that and I should be fine. It's like, oh, okay. I don't know that this movie's really for life lessons. Oh, I, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. I think what's interesting about it is that this mentality mm-hmm. that like, hey, everything is fine. Like, what was it? Like, for they, they Live and everything, you guys were talking about the whole Reagan era and everything. Sure, too. sure, yeah. It's like, everything is fine as long as you're, like, white and rich and cool looking. Mm-hmm. Like, right. pretty much. Yeah. You know, and that's great. That's the 80s. MTV. Cool. <laughs> like <laughs> Something D-O-O economics. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, this type of movie wouldn't do as well if it was made now. Right. Immediately, when I, when I was watching it, I started to read into the fact that they were rich. Like, what is the writer and the director trying to say with the fact that all of these characters are well-to-do? Well, I think in this movie, it's nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't no. think they're trying to say it, anything. They're just trying it to have this... the ability to have a fun day without yeah. having to worry about it too it's much. It's like, oh, let's just make them rich. Like, but I don't think, yeah, you couldn't get away they, with that But I think they weren't really thinking about that, the mm-hmm. writers at all. And it's, I think that kind of shows a 
type of privilege as well. Like they weren't really looking out at for like the women's well-being Mm-mm. in this. It's like, oh, she could have been it could have been an intruder and she could have been raped. Mm-hmm. You know, it's well, like that raging case of herpes. Well, she exactly. Like, right, yeah. yeah. That's kind of a strange uh, something that doesn't quite work. Well, it is funny. We did laugh at we it. We did laugh at it, but it's when you sit and think about it, it's like, shit, nowadays. she's sitting there in her room freaking out that she might get raped. Right. Yeah. And we, But the writers just write it off. It's like, and hey, we should And she's not overreacting. Laugh. I mean, maybe yeah. she should have, should have, in quotes, recognized the principle, right? Except but that he when was all you beat just, up and whatever. He's right. all beat up. Exactly. Like, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. She's just genuinely And then he's like, right away, no it's like, holy crap. There's a, and he's a big guy. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he's tall. He's, mm-hmm. I would freak out, kick him, run to my room, lock the door. And he jumped around a corner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're both Bueller. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just like, I, I was so mad at that. And I just, maybe I'm just crabby lately because I got to finish a thesis but <laughs> <laughs> you should watch this like immediately after graduating yeah. when you're like in the this like, euphoric like, yeah. state of oh, mind actually I really like I this love, movie I just I love this movie I'm, you're right all along. I think yeah I I I'm very depending on what my mood is can really affect my viewing you're viewing a movie, movie. I, I like i very much think i mean for the most part john hughes movies maybe with the exception of the breakfast club i don't know that they have really strong messages in general like right. i felt like the breakfast club had a lot of takeaways but mm-hmm. you think about pretty in pink and you think about um 16 candles like what are you really learning a <laughs> yes. lot of times it's to be more shallow but yeah like and the, that whole ending too and just like the principal and i mean he is beat up and bleeding and then it's like hey let's degrade him some more because it's like you shouldn't go well and granted he was obsessed and just a terrible character I mean, he, he did he did injure himself by going over exactly. the line because but at the, first you feel bad for him yeah but once he now is violating exactly. private property exactly it goes from just peering in a window but to then crawling through the dog door yeah, yeah. to which when did they get that dog <laughs> like, the dog was just there i yeah. don't know and yeah it, has it to wasn't be a established i mean yeah. Yeah. we learn about it at the same time rooney does yeah. which is actually kind of funny it's fantastic <laughs> i, like that I actually really him. like it but i think and he's a terrible person yes he deserves whatever but at the end no one asks him hey What's wrong? Like, what happened to you? That's not entirely <laughs> true. The bus driver does. He just refuses to answer her. Uh, yeah. Because he feels too degraded. <laughs> and it's kind of awesome because no principal is beloved in a high school. It's just not, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he's clearly not going to be liked. Um, And so he he's limping along, just bloody and ripped to shreds. And the bus driver's like, hey, Mr. Rooney, like, you okay? You know, do you want to ride? And you can see him confidently like, I don't really want to ride, but I'm clearly in a lot of pain (laughs) okay i guess i'll take this ride and so he gets on the bus and it's fantastic because he's too tall for the bus and so his head's all like scrunched over like pushed into the ceiling of the bus and you have to walk down all the students who are all just like gawking at you and there's totally graffiti that's like making fun of him written on the walls (laughs) you know in the bus and and, uh, uh, say ferris on the uh the the notebook on like the trapper keeper yeah Yeah. yeah. and the only open seat for a reason, <laughs> is the little social pariah, the super, super socially awkward, dorky girl with the thickest glasses you've ever seen. <laughs> Gummy bear? They've been in my pocket. They're real warm and soft. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 
It's just so gross, though. Like, you think of, like, warm food. Like, it's been next to somebody's body all day. Oh. I find yeah. it pocket totally lint. I don't like yeah. pocket lint. Ugh. Yeah, I guess I didn't think they were gummy bears just, like, straight up in her pocket. I assumed they were in a bag, but I don't even know that they were. Yeah. But they went over the top in trying to make this girl look nerdy. Some of the trivia I read said that they had to put these really thick, heavy glasses on her mm-hmm. that obviously weren't her prescription so she actually got nauseous while wearing them (laughs) and had to had to sit in a very specific way so that they her head didn't tilt because they were so heavy (laughs) well they were insanely like i mean the magnification was crazy pants and i love how they keep having her like sniffle and like wipe her nose (laughs) i was gonna say they almost are as thick as my glasses (laughs) (laughs) i remember you were kind of offended by this scene because I'm like, I, I think there's just a special place in my heart for this poor girl. It's like, no one wants to sit by her. It's like, why? Because she has gummy bears in her pocket or she's got thick glasses and the sniffles. <laughs> I, I feel for her. I definitely do. But I also understand why maybe, you know, he doesn't want to take the gummy bears. Exactly. But it's yeah. like, okay, but we're, we're using this, this poor girl to degrade the principal more, you you know, at the expense right. of her. That's her purpose. That's yeah. her purpose like, of this whole movie. How could this be worse? Was the question. It's like, oh, he has to. John Hughes was asking himself. Yeah, like, John Hughes oh, is he has like to sit next to this girl. This nerd. Yeah. This is the '80s nerds. But I will say that it's not un- unrealistic, because I definitely you know experienced stuff in like junior high school and high school where oh, people yeah. intentionally avoided sitting yeah. next to you yeah. and so like, it's yep. realistic it is realistic but you're kind of hoping like things could change and it's like why propagate it more <laughs> like um, because... and like doing it at the expense of her <laughs> <laughs> because it's john hughes and yeah it's and it's the 80s and, and it was made in the 80s and who was being politically correct or exactly. trying to motivate exactly. and uplift the awkward teens in the 80s no one yeah, cares no yeah, one no one cares they just wanted you to suck it up it's just like again going back to like ferris field just all this privilege it's like everybody wants to be like him because he's cool and he gets everything he wants and it's, it's just it's, like this it's funny, mentality it's funny because myself mm-hmm. i am an epic rule follower mm-hmm. i've always been an epic rule follower and a goody two-shoes like straight a student you know all through junior high high school and that kind of thing so you'd think that i'd hate his character yeah but i adore this movie and <laughs> yeah. i think it's maybe because like you were saying it's it's so fantastical i mean the world is re- reality of like it gives you like you said a mm-hmm. picture of the 80s mm-hmm. but what goes on in his little world and around surrounding him is so over the top that it's just kind of you know you take a little vacation you're like oh wouldn't that be cool and that's why I kind of want to talk about Cameron a little bit. Yeah, we've gotten quite a ways into the podcast at this point. Not and not talking about like the is, big character. Yeah, probably the I most think. interesting character, most sympathetic character. Oh yeah, you. I love Cameron. Yeah. So Cameron is the uh, put upon best friend who Ferris insists accompany him to the the trip in downtown Chicago, and whose father's Ferrari he takes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Real quick question. Yeah. Ferris um, clearly needs to be able to go pick up Sloan. He wants, you know, he has to go on these antics, whatever. And he needs transportation. So question on the table. If he had a car of his own, would he even bring Cameron? No. No. I'm sorry. I'm just jumping in right there. But no. <laughs> Ferris Bueller is a dick. Like, he is only using people. And I think that's another reason why it's like, okay, yeah, he seems really nice and everything. But I think... Deep down, he is just using people to okay, get his way. But you don't think he cares about Cameron? I think at he does. Well, if he was about to drown, yeah. 
Well, because I think I think he loves Cameron and he loves what, and he cares what happens to Cameron. Yeah, and he's got a monologue about that too, where he's talking to the camera and saying, "Well, I brought Cameron out for this reason, and like you'd marry the first girl that like gave him a second look, right?" So okay, yeah. There's this whole storyline like at the very end when it's like Cameron is like, "Oh no, I'm gonna take the blame." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay. And the Sloan kind of looks at Ferris is like, did you have this plan like the whole day? <laughs> I don't know that that's the case, but sure. And, and he was just like, yeah. He's like, no, I think he just was playing by ear. <laughs> so I do have the clip at the end where Cameron finally takes a stand for himself. He's been the nervous Nelly the whole time and is finally willing to own up to something that Ferris did. With the sweet background <laughs> yeah, music. Yeah. No, I'll take it. No, I'll take it. No, no, you don't want this much heat. I want it. If I didn't want it, I wouldn't have let you take the car out this morning. I made you take the car this morning. I could have stopped you. It is possible to stop Mr. Ferris Bueller, you know. No, I want it, I'm gonna take it. That's it. When Morris comes home, he and I will just have a little chat. It's cool. No, it's gonna be good. Thanks anyway. <laughs> so yeah, he's taking the blame. He's taking the blame. Okay, he kicked and the crap. He did Ferris. kick the crap out of the car himself, though. But yeah. it was only going in reverse because of Ferris. I understand, but I'm saying he intentionally put his foot to the front of the car and like crumpled the hood, broke the front grill. Crumpled the bumper. Yes. Yeah, like, but that, that would have been as bad. That, but the only reason why he really doing anything with this car, too, is because it was out and he's mm-hmm. frustrated and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And finally, it just comes to this final point where it's like he mm-hmm. lets out his frustration. Yeah. But that's because it was all started well, by gra- Ferris. By mm-hmm. Ferris. Mm-hmm. Which is true. But I still think it'll ultimately end up being for his betterment. Not Regardless of whether or not it was planned, which I don't think it was planned no. by Ferris because that's a little too elaborate. But I do think that it'll be better for him because he's finally not living being worried. Like, yeah, you know, in which fear. is that's, that's great. Yeah. But I still think Ferris, what the H <laughs> like it was your fault. And and it, yeah. it, it, OK, so this is the difference is where you and I, I think that when Ferris offers to take the heat for it, to me, I genuinely do think that's a unique moment for Ferris where he actually is saying, OK, I usually take every opportunity I can to mm-hmm. dodge responsibility Mm -hmm. i i slip through and use any devices i can to get away from it Mm -hmm. but in this instance he's saying no 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 i don't want you to have to deal with this much heat with your dad like i'll step in and i believe it's genuine and i don't know that you do i i i kind of don't i think like he was just saying like oh yeah the sure i'll take the blame and i just always think of let's go back to like 2008 and the the stock Mm -hmm. market crash Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll take blame and stuff. But it's like, no, they ended up with a bunch of money in the end. And I think it's kind of the same thing. It's like, and then, you know, these other people have to bear the burden of the problem that this other person with all this privilege has taken. Well, in terms of what kind of privilege, though, because, I mean, they both have, I mean, I I would wager that Cameron's family has more money than But I'm not even really looking at it like that. Like, yes, like not really wealth and stuff. Just, yeah, they're both still attractive, white, rich whatever just take that strip that kind of away ferris just has privilege mm-hmm. and then even like his sister is being treated poorly yeah ferris is kind of a dick <laughs> i i like i like cameron's arc i like in the beginning that you see that he's staying home sick mm-hmm. and he truly believes he's sick he's got this kind of psychosomatic 
symptoms, yeah. whatever, that he's staying home. You can see that he has a very poor relationship with his father. You become aware of that pretty quickly. His mother seems pretty absent. Like, she's in Decatur. That's all you hear. Like, yeah. she's gone. <laughs> but he's 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 a hypochondriac to some extent. You see all these, like, medicine bottles, and he's, like, taking his blood pressure and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. And so Ferris says, no, you have to get in the car and come over. And it's just very blunt. It's just mm-hmm. like, get get your butt over here. I can't believe I'm still waiting for you. Like, get over here. And you see Cameron really struggling with it. It's one of my favorite scenes when he's sitting in the car. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like having the argument on both, like for both yeah. of them. He's like, yeah. he'll keep calling me. He'll keep calling me till I come over. But Cameron, Cameron slowly gets nudged to do more and more things. That, I guess that's kind of where I was going is that he, yeah. he, he gets pushed and pushed. And he does have fun. At points. Yeah. Like, I think you can see it. You can see it. Has fun when they have the snooty lunch, and he's definitely kind of screwing (laughs) with the tables that are nearby, being a little bit extra obnoxious. And I think he ends up having fun with the whole parade scene, which is amazing. Yeah. No. Come on. The parade scene is (laughs) fantastic. so much. How can you hate everybody loves the parade scene? No. Because it's the middle of the week. What is? What are they celebrating? You're me that they don't have parades in Chicago. Of course they have parades. On a school I, day. So I actually looked this one up. The parade that they were in was the Von Steuben parade. Perfect. Okay. Which is like a German-American pride parade. Now, awesome. I'm not sure it happens in the middle of the week. I don't like, know. Maybe like, somebody can look up whether that actually happened in the middle of the week in 1985 or 1986. But mm-hmm. I guess it actually is a parade, which was kind of bizarre when we were watching the movie we were like what what parade are all we the watching? german yeah. flags i was like yeah. yeah but then the fact that he just goes up there and then all these women are just like you know instead of like hey you shouldn't be up here it's like oh let's play along and well, exactly, this is great that's what happens Ferris to the best and he's fun <laughs> and everybody has a great time and i love like the when you pan across the crowds and all the people who are who are doing the twist and he's totally lip-syncing because it's clearly Don Shane by Wayne Newton mm-hmm. and clearly <laughs> Twist and Shout by by the Beatles. But everybody's having a good time. They're both good songs for like crowd involvement. These are songs that are totally sung in karaoke places all over the world. But yeah, painting across the crowd, you see definitely people from all different kind of socioeconomic backgrounds. Mm-hmm. You see window washers. You see all these things. You see yeah. his own dad in his office getting yeah. into a little bit. And so I do think that's a little bit fun. I like that. And then you have the flash mob. Oh yeah, for oh, no reason. For and no we reason. don't really know why. Did you? I didn't bother to look it up to see what the purpose that was. No, I mean the purpose of it was just to have Dancers. a fun time with dancing. So yeah. I mean it's like the sort of suspension of disbelief that we've had in a lot of different parts of the movie yeah. where it's like this isn't doesn't really. You know, we're not going for no realism explanation. here. Yeah, because I'd say it's roughly what thirty people. Yeah, roughly, yeah, like roughly a thirty-person the... group doing a little coordinated dance. They all happen to be black. Yeah. No explanation yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know why. It's where the majority of the black people show up in this movie. Exactly. It's just this one dance scene. It's this one dance scene. And they're good. I mean, it's fun. But like yeah, the it's whole. Fun scene. So I was Googling last night, so I didn't feel too bad about myself. Because <laughs> there's, there's got to be other people out there that think the same as me. But then I kind of went down the A Ferris Bueller rabbit hole. Sure. Which. One of the things, and you were looking up a little bit too, right, Charlie? Just that, like, the Cameron yeah, Fight yeah. Club thing. Yeah. Wait, what? That yeah. maybe um, Ferris was just a figment of Cameron's imagination. <laughs> that that Ferris, Ferris is a, Cameron's Tyler Durden. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh and, that's, and he he wishes to be better and everything like that. And, this is, and he's actually at home in this catatonic state, <laughs> imagining all of this. And that's how he can get through all of Chicago. 
in that day and why it's so <laughs> fantastical. I don't think John Hughes is that deep. Right? <laughs> I just don't. I'm sorry. I but think was, it's just for fun, like guys. Pages and pages and pages of this. And I'm like, did someone like do their PhD thesis on this? <laughs> Sadly, no. There was no credit given. There are no winners in this tale, Kara. <laughs> it was crazy. So then I was just going down the rabbit hole. I'm like, why? And then I was like, that doesn't even make sense because then why would you even have Rooney and the sister character well yes that's why it doesn't make exactly sense. <laughs> I just, I just, no um i'm pretty sure it's shallow i'm pretty sure cameron has just been living this very uh, an existence that has a lot of limits has a lot of boundaries and so it totally contrasts with ferris i mean that's the idea like ferris's parents adore him cameron's parents don't ferris is not an only child while cameron is Mm -hmm. um cameron constantly feels like he shouldn't be doing something and you get that impression there's a point when ferris is describing uh cameron's upbringing and the house is like cold and everything's expensive you're not allowed to touch anything that it feels like a museum or Mm -hmm. i don't remember exactly how he phrases it and so if you if you grew up in this thing where you're constantly like there's just Nothing but boundaries, mm-hmm. all nothing but things you're not supposed to do. And then Ferris would be a great person for you to be friends with because you could kind of live vicariously through this other person of just constantly breaking rules and getting away with it, mm-hmm. like not having to live with the consequences. And so they make a good pair in this regard. And so it is nice that at least Cameron has some kind of a thing where at least at the end of the movie, and you don't know what's going to happen to him. For all you know, he's going to get shipped off to military school. I mean, the, the consequences could be dire, mm-hmm. but he's no longer afraid. Right. And so for better or for worse, or whether or not Ferris is a dick is kind of irrelevant, <laughs> is that Cameron is going to be better. Plus, he got to see, yeah. see Sloane change yeah. by the pool. Why, why you worrying, I still think that's creepy. Carl, why are you worrying so much about what Ferris is doing? Exactly. You have to worry about yeah, your These characters wild. have to take care of themselves. Yeah, just take care of yourself. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just look out for yourself. And, you know, if you get, you get Delta hand all right <laughs> <laughs> maybe somebody like ferris That's, will be benevolent enough yeah. to oh, I help hope you so. out i, I hope ferris there's a benevolent ferris out there for like, me <laughs> life dealt you dealt you hand just deal with it <laughs> that should have been his catchphrase yeah, gosh, it's terrible you're ruining this for me i'm gonna go home and cry <laughs> oh man and one more thing too i was just really impressed with the background music because it was, you didn't really notice it. And there was a couple of times I was really paying attention. And it was just like, really, they were going way over the top for some of the things. Like when the principal was around the house trying to get in, and they were just playing this like tuba, like buffoon music. And just, yeah. you know, but it was, it was enough that you might not have caught it, but it's like really playing in your I'm not sure I caught instead. it this time. Oh, I, I but, totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I, there were other times during the movie I noticed like very, obvious sort of sound musical effect. cues yeah. and sound effects yeah. yeah but that wasn't one of them i didn't notice yeah. that one. and then at the end the 80s music oh my god oh come on when when cameron's so giving great. his little inspirational yeah. talk and it's yeah. like yeah you go buddy like synthesizer <laughs> like yeah. i didn't i didn't yeah. notice that until i captured the clip and then re-listened to it because without the visuals i was like oh yeah this is very typical 80s yeah i wanted to like put my fist up in the air and just hold yeah. it. Well, very, very much like the end of The Breakfast Club. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you know, don't you forget about me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, which I'm glad you brought up the music because I actually, I, I feel like there's some there's some good stuff in there. I did want to point out the use of Don Cushane in, in this movie because um, mm-hmm. obviously the biggest number is in the parade. Mm-hmm. He sings it or lip syncs it, whatever, yeah. on the German float 
And it's in German. I mean, come on. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, when he's in the shower, when he has his little like shampoo faux hawk or whatever, and he's he does sing into like the handset mm-hmm. of the shower mm-hmm. and sings a little bit of Don Quixote. And then there's a point at which the principal um, kind of hums it to himself when he first shows up at the house and rings yeah. the doorbell. And then uh, his sister, Jeannie, yeah. totally starts singing Don Quixote after she makes up with Charlie Sheen. Thank you, Charlie Sheen. Thank you, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> we owe Truly you, the hero. We Truly the hero of this so much. Movie. He really is. I love when she suggests that he sit on, like, whatever, stick his thumb up his butt or something like that. <laughs> and he, like, puts his thumb up and looks at it like he's contemplating it. <laughs> um. So, Kara, if, what did you get? What's something positive you got out of this movie? I think we know a little, a couple of things that annoyed you just because I think you, well, <laughs> I think I kept because you've seen up. it. Well, no, because I think you saw it at a different time period than than we had seen it, you know. Yeah. Definitely. It it is a fun movie. I like in the art scene, like it was shot really cool. The music in it was fun. I um, like that they joined the little like kindergarten or first grade field trip. Yeah. yeah. Hand holding yeah. line or yeah. whatever it was cute. Like it was it was shot really well. There's a lot of fun dialogue. Um it just was a fun movie. But again, then I just have the other problems that just made me crabby. And of course, like the sister thing happened like right at the end then too. And I'm just like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so that just made me like extra crabby. But- so I have mixed feelings about the sister thing at the end because I do agree with you that yeah. she basically throws away evidence that shows that she wasn't lying. Yeah. But on the other hand, Rooney gets his ass handed to him for breaking into the house. So I have mixed feelings on it because I feel like he needed some kind of response, like to take some kind of responsibility for being like, dude, you crossed a line. Well, then he could have gone to jail. Like, he, you know, she had evidence that yeah. he broke in. But he did get chomped ups- on by the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. I love this movie. I'm sorry. I just no, don't be adore it. Sorry. I, there, there's a lot of movies that I like. But I saw really I like. young. Yeah. You well, know? there's a lot of movies I like that I'm sure you'd be like, what? <laughs> well, I think, I think for me, too, is that, you know, I don't know exactly what age it was that I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. But definitely, you know, mm-hmm. junior high at the latest and so for me, maybe being that dork and being the rule follower, it was like a little escape mm-hmm. of being like, oh, hey, like this is what it would be, could be like if you could just flaunt rules and just do what you wanted. So, I mean, did you guys see it any differently, though, too, seeing it again? Like, obviously, like you still love it. I do, but I definitely see more. I understand the genie character more because of how much it affected you. Like, I don't think I thought about her that critically. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking, yeah, girl, you need to pipe down and <laughs> just, like, stop worrying about your business. Like, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. But I wouldn't have because I still see it through this lens of, yeah. like, when I was young um, and didn't necessarily didn't necessarily think at that level. But I definitely think she's justified in being upset. <laughs> and if I were in that position, I would have lost it. Like, I would have be like, way more raging than she was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been all citing evidence and being, like, obnoxious. <laughs> and you guys are laughing because you know me and you know I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I definitely am seeing it different every time I watch it, every few years that goes by. Yeah. I must the first time I saw it must have been in, I think, either late high school or early undergrad. And I think that's maybe the right time to watch it where it's like oh it's just yeah teenagers having fun right i like to have fun but <laughs> yeah now it's you, you kind of see a little bit more like well i'm not sure if ferris is a good friend <laughs> <laughs> well and he could be fun just to hang out with right. every once in a while but yeah Kara, thanks so much for coming on the show and watching this movie and making yourself or 
So I, exposing yourself to this pop culture that I think I needed you to see. Yes. And Jessica needed you I to see, I really desperately needed you to see. Both of our relationships are so much better now. <laughs> yes. Like, I respect you good i i mean it's been getting hard (laughs) (laughs) so finally i'm happy i got this i don't know how much longer we could have kept this trade going yes this this affords you the opportunity now to give some of your uh recommendations to the world but it's something that you think everyone should be watching okay so I was looking up also the cast on there, and I was kind of looking at Mia Sarah, and I was looking up, and I didn't realize that she was in Legend, which came out the year before with Tim Curry and Tom Cruise. But I don't recommend that, because I didn't really like that movie. (laughs) So then I started thinking about other things, like, if you want to go fantastical 80s, because, okay, sure, this is fantastical. No, let's go all the way. Let's do Labyrinth. Let's do Willow. Like, let's go do these. (laughs) Those is what you should be watching. That's what you should be watching. Yes, because I, I mean, I watched those like on repeat when I was younger. I just remember watching it was either beta or VHS or whatever and just watching those over and over. I remember being really scared at the scene where everybody got turned into pigs. And oh, yeah, yeah, that was that so really scary. Creeped me out. Yeah. And then I think my family still every once in a while will just say like, I stole the baby. Like, <laughs> I remember I remember Jalali saying that quite often after she herself had a baby. <laughs> so I mean, those are just fun movies. And going back and watching Willow, like it was, it's still, I think it holds up. There's some special effects towards the end that's like, oh, okay. But I think it's a good all round movie. And then same with Labyrinth. Like that's just so much fun. Well, and David Bowie. David Bowie, you yeah. know, it's amazing. Too soon. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we, we miss you, David Bowie. So when I was trying to place what this, the relationship between Ferris and other people reminded me of, like between Ferris and Rooney, it's something I'd seen recently and I figured it out. And I want to recommend Better Call Saul, <laughs> which is the, uh, I guess, prequel, prequel to Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Bob Odenkirk plays Jimmy McGill and he's kind of like Ferris in that he's very charming and he gets away with a lot of stuff he shouldn't get away with and the audience is rooting for him but like when you come into like the second and third seasons he's really being played against his brother who's kind of the opposite like very like this is the way that the law is supposed to work and this is the way the world is supposed to work and he's very upset about the fact that Jimmy gets away with so much and and he shouldn't and feels like it's his duty to somehow take Jimmy down a peg so got it what a, that's what I was thinking about the whole movie. I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like that, except more fun. Better Call Saul's fun, but I mean that yeah. it's a little bit more dramatic. There wasn't, there's I'd no say. parade scene. Not yet. Not as far as I know. I missed last week's episode. So, <laughs> so you don't want to speak too soon. Uh, I'll add a correction at the end of the show if there was a parade scene. <laughs> My recommendation, um, just in talking about other uh, John Hughes movies, I do feel like most of his movies are pretty shallow. I'm a big advocate of The Breakfast Club if you haven't seen it. And if you, in particular, feel like people who either have children or are contemplating having children, one of the things I really liked most about that movie is I feel like it shows you all the different ways that parents can screw up their kids (laughs) in really, really widely varying ways by either putting too much pressure on them academically or athletically or putting, um, putting a kid in the middle of a divorce or ignoring them (laughs) or then the more obvious things like physical abuse or things like that, Mm -hmm. that it kind of showcases all of these different things and that each of these kids, um, 
you know, they don't like each other. They don't really get along. But once they kind of know each other's backstory, you never really know what anybody else is going through and kind of know that at the bare minimum, they become like sympathetic to one another, even if they don't really like each other. Anyways, so there's just one more shout out for another good John Hughes movie. Well, thanks again, Cara. Yeah, well, thank you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun watching it, too, last night with you guys. <laughs> I think this is the first one we actually all sat down and watched it together. I think yeah, that was it fun. Separately. Worried about influencing people. Yeah, I was almost, I was debating of watching it by myself first before mm. you guys, just because I didn't want to be influenced. I was like, I don't got time for that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just watch it the once and just try to keep my notes. I did not say any of the lines out loud. <laughs> I think I saw a couple times you were I mouthing. A couple. And there was a couple times I could tell you really were excited about a scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. I'm sorry. Well, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time. And be sure to catch the next episode where we're uh, going to discuss another pop culture gem. Hope you really enjoyed it. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram to hear us discuss more movies and television shows that you really should have already been watching. Hey, uh, Jessica, I finally got some feedback from listeners. Ooh. What they're saying, and also based on other podcasts I listen to, is that things that people really like in a podcast is when people play sound effects, <laughs> like during the podcast, so like, you know, cue specific segments or in response to something someone says. They think it sounds really professional. Sure. So I'm going to try doing that for the rest of the podcast whenever somebody says something that goes with one of my sound clips. So okay. Sounds great. Just be great. aware, you know, everyone get their headphones on. You know, it's going to be coming at some point. So, so yeah, this week, our guest chose for us to watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which we've been actually wanting to get to for a while. I'm pretty excited about I'm it. I'm very excited about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is it okay if I just play that sound clip like over 10 or 12 times during the episode? <laughs> okay. Just one more time. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. I actually, if I could pay you to follow me around during my day, every day, and play that sound clip at key moments, that'd be really great. So whenever somebody wants that played, you know, just stop the whole production. Let me spend my 15 seconds to get back to the app to play the sound. It'll work. It'll work out.